0: Hello everybody, Jordan here, the PH is silent, and in this episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show, we have a special guest. It is Mike from Unmade Gaming. He uh, runs a really great Twitch channel. They do all things tabletop RPGs, and really focus on like narrative RPGs, and so he likes to tell really great, interesting stories. You can check him out on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Uh, and also, he just started a new 5 e DD D&D podcast in the Humblewood universe. And if you'd like to know more about that, then stay tuned. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Saturday Morning D and D Show. My name is Jordan, with a silent P H in the middle, and I am joined by two uh, awesome, awesome people. First of all, my regular co-host Lucian, who was not necessarily supposed to be here today, but uh, quarantineville, yeah. we're all we're all in this together. Can't it's awesome. go anywhere. And uh, special awesome guest Mike from Unmade Gaming. Welcome, sir.
1: When does he get here? Uh, He's coming.
0: <laughs> it's just...
1: Oh,
0: oh is he, sorry. Is yeah. that like a
1: delayed reaction to him
0: getting here? Or... Uh, no, awesome. We're really glad to have you on the show. It's really cool. Uh, Hell yeah. We played a Numenera game that you ran for me. And that's kind of how we yeah, met. We did, yeah, yeah. And that yeah. was a lot of fun. That and was that a was damn good time. Your first Numenera experience, and you were the dungeon master. I think. Yeah, that was
1: my first time yeah. I ever ran Numenera. Yeah. I played before. Oh, you had I've played. Never okay. run, I thought it was I like never completely new
0: to you. And you no, were no, no. I never...
1: I'd never run the game and I had never played with any of the people at the table. So I was like, oh, let's see what happens here. (laughs) Uh,
0: But no, that was a lot of fun. I had like a a bionic arm or something. And and I was very, that was my early days of YouTube and early days Mm -hmm. of, well, Twitch. Um, But also I was very into Dungeons and Dragons. And I think a lot of RPG players are like, well, but I play D&D. And they're like, but there's all these other games you could play. And you're like, "Ah, but I play D&D. There's so many. There's so many. Um, and that was the time we're like, well, we want to play this other game. And I'm like, Yeah, I'll try it. Like, why not? And then by the end of it, I was like, This is a really great system. And it was like yeah. super fun. And it was a very different experience from Dungeons and Dragons, or I should say a different experience from previous that I've had before. So
1: Right. <laughs> a lot of fun. And that's the thing. All you need is that one gateway tabletop yes. game because everyone's like, Oh, D and D is the default. And I'm like, okay. I mean, I guess it is like, it's the biggest one. So of course that's the one you gravitate towards, but you need that one person to be like, Hey, Hey, try, try this. thing yeah. over, here, <laughs> over here. And then you're like, Oh my God, there are so many games. What was I thinking?
0: It's in it. Oh my gosh! And now I've got, yeah, tons. And we're going to talk about some other games today because uh, there's a lot, there's a, a lot of yeah, yeah. Cool talking, stuff happening. We
2: were doing our show during that time. So having and talking to before Jordan, then he plays that game and he goes through those. And then after Jordan it was a very different Jordan. Yeah. It was really funny because <laughs> it's a really freeing game. Like I can, I can do anything in this game. Yeah. Like you don't realize you feel like you can do anything in dungeons of dragons and in, in a lot of ways you can, but in some ways you kind of your mindset gets constrained into how the action round goes and yeah. what my things are can be. And you don't feel like that's constrained until you play something that just says, Hey, what do you want to do? I don't know. I want to punch somebody with my bionic arm and then I want to jump 50 feet and grab the ceiling. You're like, okay,
0: you yeah. do that <laughs> that's, yeah.
2: like, that's yeah. great
1: and
0: all right you see what, let's with, see what happens <laughs> you started with uh numenera right lucian i well dungeons of dragons early but the first game i ever
2: dungeon mastered was numenera because okay. when i came back i was looking at all the systems that were out there and numenera was going through a popular kind of mode at the time and i love the setting i love the book and i'm like okay i'm gonna do this i grabbed some friends who had never played put them online and i did what you said i'm gonna stream for the very first time i've never done this I'm going to play with people I've never played with before. I've never ran a game anytime. I played, but I've never ran a mm-hmm. game. I'm going to do it all at once. Let's. Just, what could go wrong? <laughs> you know? And it was the best experience ever. So Numenera is really great.
1: Yeah. And Numenera is also, or the cyber system in general, is a great segue into other games um, because Monty Cook had a huge hand in 3.5 and yeah. 3. Yeah. So if you're used to... D&D, which is called a role-playing game, but is a tactical combat game. <laughs> this is a good in-between because you get, I think you get like 60-40 tactical combat in a Numenera or a Cyber System game. So it's a comfortable shift to more narrative style games. Yeah. So I think I feel like that's a hard transition to go from something like a D&D to like a Powered by the Apocalypse where you're like, oh, I'm not constrained to anything. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'll give you one thing from a
2: Dungeon Master standpoint. You Don't Roll Dice is a huge... Thing off your shoulders as a brand new DM to be able to concentrate on description, game flow, keeping everybody involved, and not having to worry about all this dice rolling you're doing. Um, yeah, so that's that's why I loved it. But you know, hey, we're a D and D show, right?
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and then we talk about you know, like kids on bikes for half an hour too. But yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, it was fun. We like you were just saying about uh, the narrative and things like that. And I have a, a, a tactical group. Uh, I keep going over here because that's where my table is. Um, and we play D&D and they're very much like miniatures and how far am I and how many feet. And that's fun. I don't want to say that's not fun. But when I introduced this Halloween uh, kids on bikes game, they were like, they were totally thrown. And by the end of it, yeah. they were like, that was the coolest thing. And I was like, yeah. And it's a game that has no levels. It has no like, like experience points, really. It's just <laughs> like, let's tell a cool story. And I, Anyway, mm-hmm. so like those narrative things yep. can be really fun. But... Uh, I digress. Uh, let's let's dive into uh, Unmade Gaming. My, Mike, who who Oof. are you? What do you Oof. do? What how a, do, do people what know is, what's going on? What an existential
1: <laughs> question. Who am I? Who, who
0: are you? Am I? What do you stand um, for? Tell what, oh, us right wow, now. That's <laughs> even less, <laughs> even
1: yeah. even harder of a question. Um, I am Mike. Uh, I am Mike. I run Unmade Gaming. Unmade Gaming is a uh, tabletop content creation. Uh, machine i don't know what yeah, we yeah. Do. uh but we have a live stream we have um, youtubes we have podcasts we have all kinds of fun nonsense uh that we do all revolving around tabletop rpgs um from a improvisational narrative beer and pretzel style um Anytime there's an opportunity to make a lewd joke, somebody in the cast is going to make one. Uh, We're very improv heavy, and we play mostly narratively focused games. Uh, So we don't do a whole lot of D&D, because while you can make D&D very narrative, the rules are, there's a reason half the book is combat based. Yeah. Um, And so, uh, yeah, we play a lot of variety of different kinds of games, uh, a lot of indie games that people may not have heard of. So uh, I'm excited to bring some of those games into the light, so to speak.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, and so people can find you on Twitch, obviously, right? Everything, yeah. Twitch, Twitter, YouTube,
1: one word. Yeah, it's all unmade gaming. Yep, all one word.
0: That's awesome. So uh, is uh, not this? This doesn't mean to sound bad, because I know a lot of people mm. do this, but uh, are you primarily on Twitch, and is YouTube kind of the archival area, or do you do specific Currently. things for YouTube? Okay.
1: So, right now, we have uh, Twitch is our primary actual play space. Mm-hmm. All of the archived footage uh, goes to our YouTube. Um, we have a secondary YouTube for our new podcast called Dark Fortunes, um, which also is YouTube Archive. Okay. Um, but there's going to be some content for that. Uh, we're actually playing d in that game. Um, and we're using the Humblewood setting. So yeah, I'm going to yeah. do some, yeah. So I'm going to do some videos about like what the races are and that kind of thing. Cause Very there's not cool. too many out there. Um, so you can search dark fortunes to find the podcast or the YouTube. Um, and then <laughs> we just started a new podcast. <laughs> um, and it's it, it, it's ridiculous, and it's meant to be ridiculous. And we've actively made the branding as ridiculous as possible uh, so as to dissuade you from actually watching this podcast. <laughs> um, but it started during a live video game stream. The podcast is called it's called Hot Dice Daddies. And <laughs> we talk about dice and the people who love them and the stories they tell. So it's a 20-minute podcast about your dice and what adventures you have but we do and like it the why they're ridiculous... important to you yeah and just exactly kinda, okay, yeah that's funny so we did our, we did our first episode and the first episode was about your first set of dice um and we obviously called it your first time so to give you <laughs> to give you some kind of idea of how the show is made and uh yeah it's ridiculous uh with all intense uh intensive purposes being made to be ridiculous but it's, it's a fun little 20 minute you know smile and listen kind of podcast that's awesome
0: um, yeah. And I don't, uh, I don't have those links active right now. But uh, for those watching you on YouTube or listening to our podcast, I will have a whole ton of links to all of Mike's stuff uh, in the doobly-doo below. Um, I was just thinking about your Dice podcast that you should do an episode, uh, like, it, it, no, no jokes, just as deadpan as you can, Antique Roadshow. And you're looking oh at these dice, and you're just like, "Well, I mean, it retails for about seven dollars, but the sentimental value is through <laughs> the roof." Like,
1: <laughs> well, we actually we actually take it a step further uh, because we're over the top, uh, and so we do the entire podcast in like NPR two AM radio voice, where we just get very close to the microphone, yeah. and the entire podcast is uh, spoken like this in a nice soft tone, <laughs> and it's just it's the most uncomfortable. Ear feel you could yeah. imagine, and we're here for it. We're just trying to make everyone uncomfortable.
0: <laughs> That's fun. Uh, how many games are you actively playing on your sh- on your Twitch channel and stuff? Like, um, well, I shouldn't say. I know you play a lot, but you also uh, produce other shows, correct? And
1: uh, right now, I'm just. Uh, I mean, I'm producing and playing in all yeah. of them. Okay. Um, yeah. So right now we have uh, three shows a week. Uh, we have a Tuesday show, Wednesday show, uh, and a Thursday show, and then we have the podcast. Um, and then. There is plans in the works. I will be on a new podcast, um, run by run and GM'd by uh, Nomadic, uh, oh, called yeah. Uh, yeah called We Never Left Podcast. It's going to be a Coriolis mm-hmm. podcast. Um, and then there is. Talks in the works for another podcast uh, of a similar bent um, and talks of a new Twitch channel that are possibly in the Ooh. works. So yeah. So uh, every day tabletop is, is, uh, yeah. is, what, is what I'll be doing. That's really, really cool. Uh, yeah. I know
0: Living you're in the you're, dream. You're, yeah. <laughs> you're playing a ton of stuff, but uh, do you have a favorite right now? Like a favorite RPG or
1: who? Um, and I'll that probably have... changes
0: a lot. I don't know. <laughs> I,
1: I will say I have a, to, to cover my bases here. I have a favorite publisher Ooh. and that's that's free league okay um so free league is known for tales from the loop they're known for coriolis mutant year zero um they just dropped vespin the other day um they alien they, they, alien yep the alien rpg mm-hmm. um simbaroom uh so yeah i am 1000 percent behind yep tales from the loop i see it back there <laughs> yep i am 1000 percent behind uh free league um i love everything that they're putting out Uh, they're very narrative they're very fun and it's all a similar enough system that you can kind of once you learn one you can jump right into the next one with very little like startup time Mm -hmm. um and the games are just different enough that you're like oh this is a different feel like if you play Coriolis versus Tales from the Loop you're like oh okay this is a very different feel but like I get it I get the mechanics and I don't Mm -hmm. need a a heavy detailed like lesson in this game so yeah it's really cool that's awesome uh Lucian
0: how many of those freely games have you been playing because I know you bought um, most I of them.
1: All of them. <laughs> I haven't been able to play
2: any, hardly any of them yet. Like, I even got Forbidden Lands down here, the box set, which is a really cool one, too, from Free League. That's really good. Yeah. I've done some unboxings of them, though, and I've done some uh, streams. I've got to play Tales from the Loop. That's been my favorite of all um, games. And if you were to say, What's my favorite RPG? it might have been Tales from the Loop. Like, I'm super excited. The Amazon show is coming from tales from the loop uh the gameplay is really fun i know you're a kids on bike guy but tales from the loop was the originator man that's why
0: i want you to run a tales from the loop game for me because <laughs> i need so to good. i need to see the differences but no yeah. i've read through i also own tales from the loop and i've read and it's funny it
2: and stuff, you even yeah. say that nomadic was our dungeon master for tales from the oh, loop that's awesome yeah i played in it so
0: yeah yeah so
1: so um I you know not to not to be that guy, but if you go check out Atari Twilight on YouTube, uh, a plus uh, uh, Tales from the Loop show, um, oh. that was a show we did like two years ago actually, and we're still talking about it. That's how you know it's a good show. So oh. we did it two years ago, um, and Grimjack two one five zero two on the Twitches and the Twitters, as he says, uh, was our GM, and he is uh, he's very much an eighties dad, uh, mm-hmm. and so he took us into a place that is like his hometown kind of thing. Um and asked us right at the start of that of Tales from the Loop, he was like, "Hey, do you want more Goonies or more Stranger Things?" And the whole cast was like, "Stranger Things, mess yes. us up, please." And so like it get there, it, there's like emotional roller coaster, there's danger. It's 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 a it's a it's a really good game. I think I cried at one point. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> and we're actually bringing it back as a season two two years later. Nice, uh, because we're so hyped about the game. Yeah. It's
0: How like, hackable is Tales from the Loop? Like,
1: uh, infinitely.
0: Could you uh, like uh, Harry Potter it? Could you yeah. set it in like twenty eighty? I don't know. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So- I don't. I don't see why not. So like the the att- you have four attributes, just like all of the free league games, uh, and then your skills are like um, like you, you, you they replace your D and D kind of skills. Like force is like your anything physical, yeah, right? Yeah. Like you have like an agility based one, and then you get to like more um, complicated ones like. Um, technology, which you can replace with magic, right? Um, or you can so you can you can tweak any one of the skills and be like, oh, this skill means magic instead, or this skill yeah. means charm instead of you know manipulate or
0: mm. whatever. It, it's definitely a light rule
2: spells. system, very narrative, very light rules, so you can
0: you can do all kinds of stuff. Ugh, I want to play so bad. Maybe I'll reread that over the weekend. Do it. <laughs> do it. Uh, yeah. We typically talk about news in the Dungeons & Dragons world, um, and there's not a lot of news going on in the Dungeons & Dragons world uh, because everything's been released, and they're running on the coattails of Wild Mountain, things like that. Uh, But, Mr. Lucian, there was a Lore You Should Know, I think?
2: Yeah, they they did a Mordecanon Lore You Should Know video. Uh, Chris Perkins got to talk about Mordecanon, who was Gary Gygax's original wizard when he got to play in a campaign and eventually made it his way into the actual forgotten realms or Greyhawk And, you know, the, the part of the actual uh, canon. And so we got to learn a little bit about that. So I thought that was a good one to point out. Um, and we do know that mythic odysseys of Theros is the next book comes out on June 2nd. What I'm wondering is we haven't heard any, any news though. I don't know if that book's already printed and if it's not already printed, will it get printed? Cause as a printing press considered one Essential of those companies business. that is staying open or are they one of the companies that have gone and are now home with the many of us that work from home at the moment or can't go to work or we're laid off or yeah. furloughed or all these other horrible things that have been happening across the country at this point or the world, really, everybody's dealing with it. Are they going to be able to print those books or is it going to get pushed? And when, we're, when are we going to hear the announcement for whatever books after that? Cause we still haven't gotten a regular adventure book from them yet. We've gotten a wild mount book source book campaign world. We're going to get a Theros campaign world book. We haven't gotten an adventure for 2020 yet. At yeah. all, so that's really crazy. And then not even on our show notes, but we probably should have put it on. There was a Jordan read it, send it to him. What else do we have? Jordan? <laughs> He's looking at me like, I don't remember. Bueller?
0: I don't know. I, it's spells. been a whirlwind of a week. You have no idea what's happening. <laughs>
2: tattoos. Maybe this will give you oh, some yeah, hints. Yeah,
0: yeah, some yeah. tattoos. Uh, there was uh, Unearthed Arcana. That's right. Unearthed so, Arcana uh, Draws, More yeah. test playtest material came out of a bunch of new spells that deal with uh, Four Dungeons of Dragons, Fifth Edition, that deal with uh, summoning monsters. And. This has been a, a contested thing, I think, and a lot of people like pet classes. Like I like pet classes, uh, or I like having a pet in my RPGs. Uh, but they're always, they never like scale with your levels, and they don't, they don't evolve well over time. And particularly, this uh, this new set of rules had things that were, uh, it's it's like a base number plus a stat plus your level, so it did get higher as you like leveled up. And I thought. That was at least a step in the right direction as far as because fifth edition has uh problems with uh, some of their mechanics. Uh, it wasn't like I don't know, some people treat it like this was God's gift to RPGs, and I am not part of that. <laughs> I do enjoy Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, I think that they're evolving and getting better. It was written by humans, so I thought that was really cool. And then the magical tattoos, which were almost like boons or or magical blessings you could give to somebody, which is kind of interesting, but
1: I would love so I like magical tattoos and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. I know, I think. I think Cobalt had a thing with that. Uh, I would love to see uh, like a pet mastery kind of class, mm-hmm. right? Something like, it. but with like when you level up, you can level up, or you can level up your pet, oh, right? Yeah. Like you can the the amount of time you would have trained, you can either train your body, yourself, your mind, or make your animal more well trained, right? Because anyone who's trained a dog knows that like that takes a lot of time, yeah. right? um and so it's it's difficult to do both unless that's all you're doing and if you're adventuring most of the time you don't have all the time in the world to be uh you know training your body and your and your pet so like it'd be cool to have like a level one character who could get one shot but a massive hulking bear right that like you know i'm has gonna go climb in fur. a tree because
0: i'm level yeah. two but my level 18 <laughs> dog is gonna go yeah. take on this dragon real quick exactly and, right yeah. And you Only might have, that. like, a really good sneak or something so you're able to stealth around. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, I like that. That would be yeah. fun. Uh, it would be – I've always wanted um, a a, uh, a puppet master class. And there's been a lot of, like, people that have created this on the internet in various ways. Uh, and one of the best ones I saw, one of the most home, homebrews I saw, was that you had your, like, puppet pet that you could control, like, with your mind and have it run around and do chores for you. And, and as you level up, you got better attachments you could put on it but you could also send out like magical strings and like move people in the battlefield. And I was like, Oh, that's kind of fun too. That is really cool. Uh, and they, we just haven't seen anything. Like that, that is,
1: that is one of the features of, um, I'm, we're going to get in trouble here. Um, <laughs> for, fourth edition. Mm. Um, <laughs> that like, so I mean, a lot of people knock fourth edition, but it was a, if you take away the dungeons and dragons part and say, yes. this is a tabletop combat game, man, It was a tabletop Mm -hmm. combat game. And one of the class features, one of the class like role categories was controller. Mm -hmm. And that was their whole job, was moving people on the battlefield like a chess master. And I was a thousand percent here for it. If you like minis and like tactical tabletop combat, man, fourth edition was great for that. It just it was very difficult to role play because none of the mechanics supported like RP yeah. at all.
0: <laughs> and and so. that, I mean, yeah, hit the nail on the head. That was the problem. I, pl- I, I played 4th edition. I really liked 4th edition. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we transitioned to 5th edition, it was this open eye-opening experience of like, oh, we can, like, you want to just, climb a tree i don't you, normally we had like a whole rule section yeah. for how to climb and and yeah. now it's just like oh okay and combats would last you know five hours. minutes rather than two hours with <laughs> yeah. edition. but yeah. it, it was fun because you would be like you know the enemy's here da da and this guy can't hit unless i move him over here and he gets a plus two bonus that then synergizes with other things oh, and all yeah. of a sudden now he's got a plus 10 and he's yep. able to take out the monster and that that can oh, be a lot sure. of fun yeah
1: yep Yeah, I think one of my favorite characters uh, in D&D that I've ever played, and I transposed him from that campaign to, like, my homebrew world, Uh um, was in 4th edition. He was a Dragonborn, because Dragonborn are my favorite, Um, but he was a Dragonborn, bravara. So once I'm at half life, I become so much stronger. So he would just charge out into the battlefield and be like, come Mm -hmm. attack me and like swing a banner around with no weapon and then plant the banner. And then he would just get his butt kicked. And (laughs) then he would become like way stronger. He'd get like health regen. He'd get plus AC. Mm -hmm. He'd be like moving people on the battlefield. And I was like, this is amazing
0: that yeah, sounds very cool.
1: super fun
2: so with that unearthed arcana there a lot of the chatter on twitter has been about well it's a bunch of pet classes right because in, yeah. in some ways it's like summon face spirit summon aberration spirit summon these different things and they they do them as spirits so that maybe your connection to that thing won't be as bad if it goes down whereas if like we've talked about a hundred times if you have your your giant corgi mount cannot die in a campaign or Strife will happen in the household. <laughs> that's,
0: yeah, it. no, my wife yeah, has so a beastmaster ranger, and she's like, if you could kill me, but if that dog dies, we're getting a it's divorce. Done. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I feel it's
1: like done. I feel like that's with anything you put that's adorable in the game. Oh yeah. Like yeah. like we ran, I I ran um Sunken Temple, Sunken Sunken something. It's it's it was it's in um Yawning Portal. Yeah. Um yeah. it's like the first adventure in there. Uh Sunken Keep. Uh, So I started running that and my party had befriended the kobold. I don't remember if his name was actually Meepo or I named him Meepo. No, Sunless
0: Citadel. It was Meepo. Uh, Sunless
1: Citadel. Thank you. Yeah. So they befriended Meepo and I'm playing this adorable, like (laughs) silly, um, like broken speech, broken common kobold. Uh, and due to one of the actions of the players he ended up getting killed and so all the players turned on that one player whose fault it was and this was like two years ago and so now every time something sad comes up or it's just a quiet moment i'm like hey remember that time you got meepo killed then everyone's (laughs) like yeah you remember that time
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so never never kill the adorable character yeah so what i liked about those rules is it kind of gives you that but when i first was reading them you have all these different things and it made me think oh Well, this would lend itself. Some people are saying it's more of a Planescape style because everybody's still pushing, are we getting a Planescape book at some point? But I started going, well, what if they wanted to dive into more of a Pokemon style game, but they still want to use the D&D rules? They need a more robust pet system if they're going to do that. And this kind of, with spells, starts getting you closer. But then I thought my mind jumped even further today when I was thinking about it. This could also be, if you look at it, the way Planeswalkers fight. Because when you're talking about Magic the Gathering and you're throwing your cards down, the idea that you're summoning this bear, you're summoning an animal spirit, you're summoning this um, flame elemental, you're summoning these things, all of that comes into focus then if you're using those type of spells. So if you want to get closer to a Dungeons & Dragons ruled ran Planeswalker game where you're a Planeswalker from Magic the Gathering, because we haven't played any where you're the Planeswalker. You can play in those worlds. But you're not necessarily a planeswalker with those books um, that are coming out. So I wonder if that's where they're going with that or if they're just trying to shore up something in, in this system that they just haven't had, which is pets. You know, there's just you've got Beastmaster is a little bit there. You're starting to get artificer with a couple of the pets that are there. But you don't have a wide range of that. And I think that's something that we see in a lot of anime these days. We see that in a lot of pop culture. There's just a lot of cartoons that are based around, you know, teenagers battling in arenas with cool pets that they find out in the world type gameplay that we could be playing. So I'm wondering if they're just trying to feel those out or will these be rules that we won't see again? And even the tattoo ones were really cool too, because just having, there's so many different anime of that where the tattoo, you know, flares up and then the big dragon comes out or some cool ability of fireball fires off or whatever it might be. And it's all powered by these, these tattoos. I just think that's really cool. Those are the kinds of things I want Dungeons and Dragons to keep adding to the game, because those are innovative and those are really informed as far as your imagination can go. Because you can let your imagination run wild with those. So I'm yeah. excited with this unearthed Arcana. I can't believe how many good unearthed arcana's we've gotten just in 2020 so far. Here we are in March, about to head into April, and it's been really good. So,
1: yeah, I want I want more of those runes, man. Like yeah. I was, I, I think it's uh, the the unofficial Xanathar's book has mm-hmm. um, what the heck is it called? It's it's a warrior c- subclass that like you can etch runes into your armor and mm-hmm. like you can use your armor to to to, bu- to buff you up, but three. Point five, I think had a rune master rune as, master. Like a, as yeah, a class yeah. and you could like put runes on stones and then throw them and cast spells or like you put runes in your armor or other people's armor or like you tattoo the runes on your skin and you got like fire hands or something crazy I want that I want that class for you. Yeah, that'd be cool uh, <laughs> right? no I
0: like stuff like that but they feel like did we actually need rules for tattoos or runes or something like that because i've had magic items where it's like you have a sword that when you put on your arm uh it turns into a tattoo and then you can conceal that and then later you can like pull that sword back out or something like that and so i don't know it just kind of felt like we're we're magic we're we're play testing a magic item system like Mm -hmm. that you can i don't know put on your like body for plus one armor but i don't i don't know Like, you could do that. You could take, like, oh, you got bracers uh, of armor for plus two AC if you don't wear armor. Um, But instead of bracers, we're actually going to, like, give you a spider web tattoo on your chest or something.
1: Right. Yeah, um, yeah. You can easily homebrew a tattoo system. Yeah. So, I don't know. But But there could be a setting that has a tattoo-based
2: class. It could be a very, you know, And maybe that's what they're
0: pushing towards. Yeah, maybe there's something
2: out there that's very tattoo-based. Or
0: finally give your calligraphy or whatever skill you took that yeah. means absolutely nothing in fifth edition or what if it's your <laughs> guild or
2: your gang that you're a part of gets that one powered tattoo so that's the only tattoo you can get you can't get any of the other ones but yeah. it, that's how you symbolize what gang yeah. or guild or whatever you're in for this world that they might be building that we don't know about yet.
1: which is kind of like dragon marks right except kind of like born into those i mean i guess you can get them too but yeah. like
2: yeah Yeah. So very cool. So that was, we didn't get a lot from um, Dungeons Dragons news. Uh, Greg Tito was, you know, he, he was from his basement showing off some stuff, but it's all the same kind of stuff we've been seeing. We're still waiting on regular announcements. It doesn't sound like we're going to get a live show at this point because they've announced nothing. And that typically would be that May, June area just before Gen Con is when the last one happened at least a month or two before Gen Con, I think is when it happened. And I haven't heard anything on Gen Con. I've been keeping an eye on their website and, I'm hoping with hope that we all make it through and we all get to, you know, everything's levels out and we can still go do our Gen Con uh, later this year, but who knows how things are going. I did notice that uh, uh, Jordan had one more news item in there that he loves his his other games that he likes to play. And I saw that note in there. Yeah,
0: Speaking of uh, not narrative games at all and very tactical games, uh, Dungeon (laughs) Crawl Classics (laughs) is uh, a game that I love. And uh, this was interesting. It was announced yesterday that uh, uh, Goodman Games, who made Dungeon Crawl Classics, um, they got the license for Jack Vance's Dying Earth setting. Um, And so they're going to make an official Dungeon Crawl Classics Dying Earth box set that will have additional rules to make it like in the world of, of Dying Earth. And And so you ask yourself, well, why is that important? Well, Jack Vance is a, a foundation of, of fantasy literature and fancy and uh, magic anyway. uh, inspired fancy <laughs> and magic and fancy and magic is uh, what Dungeons and Dragons use, and a lot of systems use fancy and magic where where the spell is almost alive and and the wizard holds it in their brain and then fires it out and then it's gone because it 's this living thing uh, and So personally, I have not read uh, any of the Dying Earth books, uh, but I'm really, I'm more curious now with this DCC setting uh, to go back and read some of those because I know when uh, Goodman Games came up with Dungeon Crawl Classics, they played the early editions of D&D, and they also, he went back and read all of those books in the original Dungeon Master's Guide that was like, these are the novels that inspired me to make D&D, and he, Mm -hmm. he read all of them. To get, how do I want to have that same feel of those novels in this in this Dungeon Crawl Classics game that I'm building? Uh, so I'm curious. They this is their second one. The other one they had was Lankmar, which I'm also not super familiar with. But uh, spoilers: I was uh, I had some wine last night, and I was on Amazon, and I bought Lankmar. So it's coming in, in a week or so, uh, oh, yes. and that's going to be fun. <laughs> so maybe I'll have to that's run awesome. a, a DCC Lankmar game. Uh, so Thank that's you. that's fun uh there's an official announcement it's got some really cool art um this like purple sun thing that I will put in uh the chat if you guys are interested and uh that, that that's is our new so yeah. which
2: allows us to i think we could do probably another another question for our guest before we jump into our next segment though we should do another oh. question what kind of question you got for our guest Jordan give us some good oh. juicy. <laughs> So I, I, think, I think we have, uh,
0: you know that made me think that you had a question for our guest, and then you throw it. To I me. did it on purpose, uh, and it's one of those one of those fun things. Um, no, no, Mike, don't, guys,
1: don't come out with your questions all at once.
0: Are you? <laughs> do you predominantly enjoy uh, running games or playing in them? Are Are you a game master? By by, I love this so much designing these worlds. Or are you? I really want to embody that character and play this, etc. Uh yes. OK, I think is the Good easy answer. answer right. <laughs> so
1: I I was uh, I feel like like most Dungeon Masters, I was the oh, you know how to play these rules. Kind of. You're the GM. Oh, yeah. OK, um, so that's how I started gaming And I've been Jimmy since to like 15 years or so. Um, I would say the thing I enjoy the most is world building. Mm. uh i am a world builder a crafter a theory crafter i will build worlds and then i like you know when people are like oh i build characters i never get to play i build worlds we never get to play never get to play yeah um <laughs> so i'm a world builder and then i think gming and role playing are about the same like i can if i'm super hyped about a game i can get into the world building and i can i can get into this story and i can bring you there with me but then there are other games where like i'm so into this character that like I don't have to think of a backstory, but if you ask me a question about his backstory that I haven't written, I have an answer because I've so embodied this character. Um, one of the one of those characters right now is we're we're playing a Coriolis game, and like you could ask me pretty much anything about my character, and mm-hmm. I haven't I barely written anything down, and I could probably give you an answer. Like I just had an in depth conversation about like his past and why he behaves a certain way with another player uh, the other night, and we were like, wow, that's. Was like, it was kind of deep, like, about how, how, why he is the way he is kind of thing. Um, and there were, like, some probing questions, and it was really cool to, like, kind of just go down that avenue and, and, and kind of explore that character
0: um, behind the scenes. So, the yeah, spontaneous both. coming up with backstories is probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you play, you just kind of start to feel this character and you're like, no, actually that totally makes sense for X, Y, and Z to come into place and, and different, different for different people. Um, I'm running a, a, a fifth edition game on, uh, uh, Ted's nerd immersion channel. And one of my players wrote me like a four page backstory and they just needed to know exactly everything that there was going on. Uh, and then, case in point, I'm playing in a Critical Role Wild Mount game. I know nothing about Wild Mount. I don't really listen to Critical Role, so I don't know anything about Matt's world. Uh, but I, I really like this character, and it's been fun to say, "Hey, I kind of got a feel that I'm from here." And then the dungeon master that knows so much is like, "Oh, well, that that would make sense that you're you're actually from here." And and this person might be your nemesis and blah blah blah. And we just kind of play right. around with that, and and it's been really fun. And so that's for me has been, I didn't have a backstory. I just kind of were were yeah but you so yeah you just feel it you're like no this feels right i want this to happen kind of a thing yeah
1: and that's why that's one of the reasons why i love session zeros if i especially with a gm if i'm a player i find them kind of useful um because i kind of go in with a loosey-goosey approach to like my character and then i kind of flesh them out as we kind of go uh but as a gm we just had like a session 0.5 kind of thing the other day and i was like telling people about the city we're playing in um and they're like okay well here's my character concept that i'm thinking about i was like okay well what if you take that concept and apply this this and this lore to that and they're like oh yeah that's yeah. cool and i'm like and then what if this and then we like started like going on tangents about their character We're like okay great we have yours next character and now everyone's getting hyped about their character and how they all are interwoven into each other and in, into the story and how like there's these moments where like oh your character was here and they just missed this character and you're like mm-hmm. oh that was so cool and we haven't even started playing the game yet so yeah
0: yeah no i love session series for that that exact thing. Have the most you most exciting part of a campaign? Oh yeah, <laughs> like yep. the the anticipation the early, before a game yeah. starts. Yeah, that's Lucian's favorite. <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. What is uh one of one of these famous uh unmade gaming campaign settings that we haven't seen? Like, do you have a favorite that you haven't been able to like really use yet? Never or?
2: seen the dim- <gasps> the light of day yet. Give us and, give us a and juicy. I'm sorry
0: to put you on the spot because oh, I know you probably are like I've got a thousand or something, but at the same time, uh, are you? There's a there's probably a certain system that you have in mind for this setting too, so I don't know. Actually,
1: so I'm I'm uh, I mean, I think it's really cool. Uh, I'm building a Stephen King verse, Ooh. um, in the sense that like Stephen King has Maine and all these different like towns and all of his stories take place in and this Castle one Rock. thing, right? Oh. I am building the same kind of setting in New England where I live and. It started with, and it's all systems, which is why I bring this up as the as the not not one specific one. Mm-hmm. But we we actually ran a game called Men of Letters, which was a Cthulhu nineteen twenty seven game based in Arkham in in Arkham City, which is a place you know in Lovecraft, but also it's in my my uh, New England world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the events of that lead into the government getting involved in making the loop in the fifties. And then I have a town called Glenbrook, which we haven't played any games in, in 1985, which is the town from Tales from the Loop, mm-hmm. uh, all in the same area. And then we're about to play in a modern day setting in a game called um, Paradise City, which is using the City of Mist rules, um, which is also in this area. So all of this Cthulhu portals, mist, sci-fi nonsense, all ties into this one uh overarching world yeah so i so i have i have arkham city which is the past i have new arkham city which is the which is what paradise city is uh, i have glenbrook uh, which is my 1985 your rural you know, you know idyllic 80s new england town and so i'm slowly populating um modernized settings into this area uh so anything that could be modernized in a, in a game i'm kind of putting here and interweaving them like i already have one character who popped up in the 1927 game is still alive mysteriously in the 2020 uh city of mist game um so that's gonna be really cool but yeah that's that's one i've been working on for a while uh of that the the city of the town of glenbrook has never been played in i think i have like t- 10 pages of lore and npcs <laughs> and shops and stuff written up but like we've never been there yet we haven't played had a chance yet you just blew my mind
2: i am a huge stephen king fan and i never have ever until you just said this made the connection that Stephen King is very Cthulhu like.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I oh, had, he, I mean, I had he's, never he's, made that connection. I <laughs> mean, if you if you think about uh if you think about the mist, right? From, yeah, from, the from mist, yeah, the yeah, mist. Yeah, yeah. That's what blue, yeah. And oh my God. It, that's what I love about that is like if you look into like if you read Stephen King at face value, they're great books. They're they're you know yeah, so much uh, good I mean stuff. some of the 80s was a little uh induced, but um if you look through the books and like follow the the rabbit trail, like there is um the uh project arrowhead which is the people who did the mist they were the the the, the mm-hmm. government facility they're actually run by i think they're called like the office or they're called the council or something like that and then the council pops up like just for like a sentence in several other books um and there's even like subtle things like um in the book it he refers to himself as mr gray when he takes on a human persona and then uh dudley in uh Dreamcatcher refers to the aliens as Mr. Gray. When he's yeah. so it's it's just these small little connections that like that's what I love about it. everything. Yeah, yeah. Tommy together. Knockers yeah. and all
2: these other good books that
1: and that's that why I want that's what I want to do. I want to have this one unique modernish day setting that I can kind of weave these things in and out of. And if you're paying if you're playing the game, it's a good time. If you're paying attention and you've like seen other games or played other games, you're like, oh shit, I re- I remember that person from that one thing. <laughs> What does that mean? And now you're thinking, like, oh, now I got to go back and see how this person yeah. survived and what happened with that. Yeah, so but that's oh, a that's fun scary. thing
0: for players, not yeah. necessarily. Well, I guess you could have characters as well. Be like, oh, yeah. like the character makes that connection too. But, yep. but, uh, and then I was thinking, uh, is is this like a living world or kind of like here's the world and then people can play in the different times of it? But is it? Um, would you set it up that people who did something in the 1930s then does it have a rippling effect for later games? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. So like a little bit of spoilers here in the 1927 game, it was about stopping the apocalypse. And I did a very um, uh, league of extraordinary gentlemen kind of thing. So I I took actual literary people from um, uh, Lovecraft books. So, uh, and they represented some apocalyptic figures like the, uh, the, the horseman of death was uh, Dr. Herbert West, the reanimator. Right. So there was like these little tie ins here and there. Um, and I made a character who was just this sassy, like no nonsense, you know, hundred year old witch from Italy who owned a, uh, a bed and breakfast, who was aware of the men of letters and their campaign to stop bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, and was, and they, they had decided it's easier to work with her than try to kill her. So she just kind of had her own freedom. And the entire time, she's, like, helping the party, but very, like, sassy about it. And then the the campaign ends where they have killed three of the four horsemen and cannot find the fourth one at all. But they need all four to start the apocalypse. So they're like, okay, well, we've done the best we can. And each one of them had a pendant that symbolized, like, the scales, the crown, the bow, and the sword. Um, And so they turn over the three of them to, to keep her in her magical vault. And then the campaign ends where the party goes to sleep. And the camera pans down as she walks downstairs and opens up her little map that had all the blood drops where all the horsemen were. And they all coalesce into one as she like lifts off her jacket and puts the other three pins on next to her fourth Ooh. pin. And so now she is still alive in the City of Mist campaign uh, because they never killed her. They never found yeah. her. Um, so she's still around to do whatever the hell she wants to do, which is really cool.
0: Ah, that's as awesome. The Very nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you can so watch most
0: to... of these, like, or yeah. all yeah. of them. They're all streamed and archived and stuff. So that's mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah,
2: that leads us perfect segue right into our next segment of our show. After we do news, we go into Lucian's favorite, which is called Bardic Inspiration. And these are those one-off ideas that we have throughout the week. Maybe we're on a walk, maybe we're exercising, maybe we're watching a TV show, and then in your mind pops up, "Oh, I should run a campaign on that, or I should run a one-shot. Or wouldn't that be a cool idea to start off a whole?" tabletop role-playing experience so jumping into mine i had this idea of power word magic so words of power but make a magic system where the words are actually spelled out so that your your magic user your wizard your sorcerer is grabbing the words they want that represent range type um, how much damage it might be or a type of effect it might have. And there's like, you could make up a whole bunch of like Latin words, or you could grab some other cool language that you're really into and grab these words. And then, so when it comes to the wizard's turn, they picked out while they're waiting for their turn to happen, the three words that they're going to string together. And that's going to create the magical effect they want. And then during their turn, they can say, you know, you know, abracadabra or whatever. You could be a cooler word than that. And it does this thing. And then you could keep going. And I just thought it'd be really cool to have a very more modular, magic system than what we've got if we're playing dungeons and dragons where it's just like I do a magic missile spell and I might tell you how it looks and I can t- but it's still the same as anybody else's magic missile this one would allow you just to grab modular pieces what's the damage type what's the range of it is it a uh, aoe is it a cone is it a straight line is it a single target maybe there's a word for each one of those and then maybe you can only string together two words or three words at lower levels but as you get into higher levels, maybe you can string together a few more words and that's how your stuff gets more powerful. So I well, thought that would be very kind of interesting thing.
0: Have you uh, heard of this game, Lucia? I have not. <laughs> this is Epic Spell Wars Battle Wizards Duel yeah. at Mount Skulls Fire um
1: yeah, and it's cool.
0: it's kind of similar to what you're saying and I, I guess i could open it up and maybe build some but you have uh it's a really fun game by the way and you're all wizards and you're all hucking spells at each other but spells are really volatile stuff and mm-hmm. uh you shuffle a deck of cards you take uh and you build spells and you can mm-hmm. link different spells together and actually i should i'm gonna open it up <laughs> yeah and the is yeah, cool. cool.
2: maybe
1: about finding new spell words that your your wizard or your mages exactly. don't even have well, on that note, uh, you know, if you were to say write this down uh, and put this somewhere, a great source of inspiration. There's a video game called Mages of Mistralia. I think mm. I will I will I will verify after. Uh, but it's a it's an adorable, cute game. Um, mm. it, it's cute graphics, but you play a mage. Um, And in a world where like magic isn't like super powerful right now um, and you go find these old sages who teach you this and that's exactly the premise of the game. You find magical words and you start with like fire and so you can cast one fireball Um, and then you learn like um, fire uh, and then you learn circle and then you can make a fire circle and then you can do like, you know, Mm -hmm. double fire. So you literally combine one to three words or like I want to do ice fire spear and it's like it shoots out like a giant flaming icicle kind of thing so you yeah. can combine spells in that manner and that's the whole combat system of the entire game is you yeah. learn spells and you combine them in your spell book to see what different combinations can be made to see what they do if anything see
2: First and now put that on tabletop we're yeah. playing in a dungeons and dragons game that would be so fun here we so, go Give
0: it to yeah this is rose bottoms mind altering fisto nature so yeah. you or i could have just rose bottoms fist like you can combine them like this i think and anyway there's there's all kinds of different types of magic and then you mix and match them and they have really interesting effects some of them completely broken but that's the point is like magic's yeah. unpredictable and stuff so yep. uh, now i know what to get you for uh your birthday you, cool. you gotta get this game. Such, a really game. Yeah. such a good game <laughs> yeah so that's a,
2: that's my bardic inspiration for all you dungeon master game masters out there if maybe you could bring that into your campaign that you're doing or the world you're building maybe you work that in in some way what about
0: Jordan, did you have a Bardic inspiration this week? Uh, so Mike doesn't know this, but this is uh, Lucian's favorite section of our game and oh, is, or, or of it's our show. Jordan. And it's probably my least favorite because I always don't think of anything until 10 minutes before the show starts. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I got to have something he's going to ask me. Um, but specifically, uh, we had a conversation, not we, but me and some friends. We had a conversation about swapping uh, casting stats for a class uh, in, and I guess, any RPG, but really, we're we're talking about Fifth Edition Dungeons and Dragons. Like, is it broken to say I want to play a bard, but I want my casting to be Wisdom based instead of Charisma based, or I want to play a warlock, but I want my casting to be Intelligence instead of char- uh, Charisma as well? Sorcerer that uses Con or things like that. So, so swapping that opens up more like race options, and so I my bardic inspiration more is is a question of is that broken, like. Like we have all these things, or does it take away certain fun to say I'm gonna have an intelligence based warlock or I'm gonna have a con based sorcerer?
1: I mean, I think it it it's uh it's full metal alchemist at that point, right? So like if you look at like Full Metal Alchemist the anime, mm. all of the different alchemists, they got their powers their own way. Yeah. Like um like like uh Ed had no actual skill. He just like lucked into half the things that he made. He's like, I don't know how this is working, but bam, I'm gonna clap and make stuff happen. Right? <laughs> Um, or then you have like Armstrong, who would every time he would do his magic, it was fists, and he would take his shirt off. Mm. So he's a strength-based wizard, <laughs> right? Kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, I as long as you change the whole feature of the class, so like anything intelligence-based is now you know strength-based or whatever it is. Yeah, I think it's totally fine. I don't think it breaks anything too much.
0: I don't know. But, I was really thinking about it because there's so many classes that like I would love to have a, a paladin that gets its magic from. Uh, even intelligence or, and then you could have like a tactician paladin as opposed yeah. to like, I get it from what or wisdom. And they're very in touch with their God instead yeah. of charisma. And it's just kind of always bothered me that paladins. Yeah, get their magic I think
2: the charisma. only one I can think of that might throw a wrench, all of them work except Dex, because yeah.
0: Dex has such a huge combat advance. There's lots of things that bounce off decks. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So. That you get to add your decks bonus into That I wonder if you'd be overpowered if you were also a dex wizard, you know, or, or, you know, whatever, or a a dex, I don't, I don't know, but that'd be the only one I could think of because it it bleeds into combat so much. I would think the other ones, I mean, I can't imagine what would be wrong with a wizard who is charisma based and all your stuff is based off your charisma bonus and Mm But they must have done it for a reason. They're usually pretty good about their math, too. So I, that's a good one. I like that.
0: So yeah, it's something changing. And and what's fun about that is uh, I, I build a lot of characters. I'm actually starting a new game on Sunday with some some really old friends that contacted me out of the blue and they're like, you do this D and D thing, right? We want to play online. Cause we're all stuck in quarantine. And I'm like, Oh, okay. So we're going to have a, a Skype session and do that. And it'll be fun. But, nice. uh, so you start, I start playing around and making new characters and I'm like, I wish I could have a like, Skype session. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be, Just we'll send see. them a zoom link. <laughs> I have to buy zoom, I think, but, yeah. uh, yeah, we'll have to figure that out. Anyway, but yeah, I like it just opens up more like race options and and you could have that like like I keep going back to the paladin but like that tactical intelligent paladin as opposed to the like glamour paladin or I want to have like a very in tune uh bard that loves their deity of music or something so yeah well, that's my bardic inspiration something to think about and maybe i'll should play we put mike with, uh, on the
2: spot too something. should we say hey mike did you come up with your bardic
1: inspiration yeah. or should I we mean, let him off the hook <laughs> man i i only i only got the notes for the, the session 10 minutes before the session started so you're so like I jordan didn't, didn't, it's fine okay. yeah jordan <laughs> so wrote I'm him 10 least, minutes before that so i'm at least as prepared as jordan is uh i i don't you see what what have we done recently that is some bardic oh you know what we recently used a rule um in our in our d podcast called I forget who made it uh cuz we definitely said someone made it and then we definitely got it way wrong um but it is uh it's called last stand is the rule I think the rule name uh it's definitely a home a, a homebrew rule um but it's if you get knocked unconscious you don't pass out which mm-hmm. is how we normally play it it it's more of a call of duty last stand right so if you drop to zero in call of duty you're like on the ground you're like bleeding out but you can still shoot right so mm-hmm as you hit zero you're down and you can perform like one action on your turn however if you get hit again you're out right that's like two death uh, saves okay. you're down two death saves um so like i can still like disengage and get the hell away kind of thing or like i could like maybe like he took me down but i know he only had one last hit and i can be like weekly peril and fire my last spell at him and, and hopefully take him down or or you know Because there's times where, like, you don't... Like, we have a party of non-healers in in Mm. our podcast. So, like, I went down, and there was, like... And we were all, like, if we charged this guy, we would have all you know, gotten, gotten pretty banged up. And so the option was to get out of there. So I'm like meekly crawling away as they're like, okay, you you know, I I had the opportunity to like, they distracted the guy that killed me and I was able to like jump to freedom. And that was like that one action. It was enough to like save my life. So on your turn, after you hit zero, you can perform one action. But if you get hit, you're unconscious and you take two death saving throws. And I was like, that seems, that seems totally fair. I like that
0: a lot. Like you could, uh, I, I was just thinking, uh, Allowing the players the option of putting their, quote, life on the line. Right. Of saying, like, well, I'm going to allow you to do this action. Like, you can fire your gun from prone and you're all hurt and stuff and you're bleeding out, but if you do that, you automatically take one death saving. Throw. Yeah. So rather yeah. than the chance of not, uh, of stabilizing, you're kind of throwing that out the window to get that exactly. last. Like, and then yep. that just opens up for really cool narrative stuff because a player can sacrifice themselves to save their friend. Like I cast mm-hmm. cure wounds on my friend and I use that, that causes me to die. You yeah. know, and and I,
1: I, I employ the same kind of logic to um Vancean spells in five E where mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so if you're out of spell slots, but you really need to cast a spell, you can cast one and take a point of exhaustion
0: yeah
1: um cool. or or if you really need to get this spell from level one to level two you can you can well up all that magical force inside you and and, and power that spell up but again you take a point of exhaustion and so you can keep doing that until you pass out mm-hmm. uh, so and then we'll see what happens from there but yeah i'm like you're you're a wizard there's no reason why you can't like <laughs> you know when they like scrape the bottom of the barrel or like yeah. you know blood from a stone as you're trying to squeeze out every yeah. last bit of your magical you know
0: and that, going back, fancy and Magic and going back to Dungeon Crawl Classics, uh, the, that system is designed like that. So if you are out of spell, or you don't have spell slots necessarily, but like if you you forget a spell, um, then you can uh, literally eat away at your strength, dexterity, or constitution. And for every point that you eat away, you can get a spell level of that of back. So if I eat away yeah. two points of, of strength, I can get a second level spell back. And I've, I always really thought that was fun. Uh, and it also is this like back and forth, like, do I really need this? Because if you get your stats down to zero, you're dead. And so you can yeah. essentially kill yourself by casting spells.
1: Yeah. That's really cool.
0: That's really cool. I like that.
2: That's almost like a, a link back to Numenera back when we started your thing that powers your abilities is your health pool. Yeah. So you have to juggle how much health pool do you want to lose to power the things you're doing. (laughs) So very cool. All right. Well, that's our bardic inspiration. We had a lot of extra cool stuff in there. All of you definitely go out to the comments and tell us what your bardic inspiration was. What was that one thing that you just thought of this past week or something you read or something you did that make a great campaign idea and let us know down in the comments. But this leads us on to our very last segment of the show, which is what did we do in dungeons and dragons this week slash role-playing games also um, and usually me and Jordan kind of recap the things that we've been either running or playing to help you either with some of the games you're running or what stuff you're playing so I had an exciting week Jordan normally I let you go because you've had so much stuff that you got to go but I'm I'm taking lead today okay. <laughs> <laughs> boy I get I got invited to a Savage Worlds game which nice. I haven't played Savage Worlds in like probably four or five years we're going to play. And it's called um, X crawl. So it's very shadow run like, so it's going to be a very shadow run setting. It's about professional dungeon delvers in a eighties neon themed world of you know shadow running kind of thing and that's going to be super fun so we're we're creating characters for that i can't wait to see where this campaign goes and it's a different system it's really a um you know each of your stats might have a different dice attached to it you're you're rolling certain combinations of them a very different style of gameplay than playing cards no, no, but they have, um, like, you just, like, you take, you get a D8, and you have to put it on one of your stats. You get a D6, you have to put it on one of your stats, okay. your D4, and that's the dice you have to roll when you're trying to use something that is
1: related to yes. that stat. So, like, There's, a kids on bike kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And then No, I played a Savage Worlds uh, Deadlands oh. game, but it wasn't the yeah, new Deadlands. Savage Worlds system that they just revised and came out recently. And so, but that one, when you would roll initiative, it was a deck of playing cards, that yeah. is true you initiative yeah so that's cards. why i was asking about the cards if you had to use yeah yeah card.
2: initiative at cards you have bennies mm-hmm. you have dice stuff and then there's it's a very wide open class creation system too where you're pulling lots of skills together it's not necessarily class or archetypes as much as it is a gathering of skills that make whoever you are so i'm very interested in that i'm going to be playing a drachian which is a lizard man or Dragonborn-like. So there you go, Mike. I, there you go. Dragonborn, it's pretty cool. Um, and so that's going to be cool. We're going to see how this kind of like shadow run style game goes. We're going to be playing it on Monday nights. It won't be a streamed game, but I definitely will be coming to each of our Saturday mornings and telling you guys all about it because I think it's super cool when I get to play other systems. So that's yeah. Yeah, Savage Worlds. Then Tuesday night is our Waterdeep smash together with acquisitions incorporated by our Australian Dungeon Master DM, Uh, Danimal. And it's been really fun. We made third level. So I get to play my Cavalier. Finally, I get to pick my subclass Cavalier. And that's cool because my favorite character from back in the 80s of Dungeons and Dragons was the Cavalier class that they came out with in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So I've been wanting to play a Cavalier in the modern day fifth edition game. And I finally get to do it. And it's a halfling Cavalier who rides a Wattweiler in the middle of Waterdeep. And it's been super fun because he, I play him like um, Bullock or Justified. He's a knight and he doesn't take shit from anybody. And if they joke about his size or anything, he starts a fight immediately. His party's almost died from him because they made some jokes on him. And he, started so he's like the surliest halfling you will ever meet which I have been loving and playing, and it's been super fun. That one is streamed on Tuesday nights, so you can go check that one out. And then we decided we're going to play Starfinder on the weekend. So oh, we wow. have a Starfinder game picking up. Nice. So I get to play in a Pathfinder-esque, Starfinder-esque game, and I've been reading through the classes. What a what a treat that book is to go through and just read. If you haven't just sat down and read the Starfinder book and go through the lore of it and the classes and the races that they have, just sit down and do that because it's a really fun read. There's a lot of cool things in there. I'm thinking about playing a Vanguard, which to me feels like a, a, a biotics kind of fighter. So like, you know, like a, um, the video game I'm trying to just left my brain. Shepard commander Shepard. Oh, uh, mass effect mass effect that's what i was thinking in my head was this vanguard was like a mass effect who was using biotics to power stuff and mm-hmm. i'm like oh this is gonna be very cool so i get to learn a whole nother system so now i'm gonna be learning or relearning two brand new role-playing systems i haven't learned even though i have a whole shelf of role-playing games i should be playing i'm gonna play these two so that's really cool and i still have plans to maybe start up a uh, tales from the loop game coming up i've actually got the book out and then the last thing i'm working on is a mass a new generation game Um, i had a fan who contacted me from the philippines and she is a game master out there running her party through a bunch of stuff in mass. She found my videos online where I did a, a deep dive into how to run a mass game. And she loved them so much. She contacted me on Twitter. She's like, I really wish you would do some more of those videos. Cause I did like three of them, which was basically getting the game started, but I didn't, I didn't finish all the other stuff I could do. And she's like, Oh, those are so good. Those are so helpful. So she's inspired me to continue and finish my series out. So pretty soon on YouTube, you're going to be seeing some videos of, more how to play mass or how to do some of the things in mass. My favorite role-playing game until I played tales from the loop. And these two are at the top. Now I love this game so much, but I also love tales from the loop is another good game. So a couple more videos about how to play this or just some tips and tricks and stuff for you. Dungeon masters game masters out there to play uh, some of these games. So keep an eye out for that. That's awesome. That's what I've been doing, Jordan, but tell me You're really excited. tell me what you've been doing. On uh,
0: your I don't <laughs> want to do that. I I brought a game called Rod of Seven Parts on uh, Nerd Mm -hmm. Immersion's channel. You can watch us there. Uh, Check the last episode. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Also playing a couple other games. But before we take off, uh, Mr. Unmade Gaming... there's anything you want to promote like i think you're here for a reason and we just talked about yeah. other rpgs for the whole no, time no that's so. totally fine i'm
1: here i'm here to have a good time <laughs> um the biggest thing i'm trying to promote right this second is uh our dnd 5e podcast called dark fortunes um we are using the humblewood setting from uh Hit point press we are all adorable animals uh we are pirates so if you heard the word furry pirates you win um it is available on spotify itunes everywhere yes. we have a youtube channel we have all kinds of fun stuff go check us out on twitter uh, i'm actually literally about to finish this zoom call and then go record for the next six hours uh, of mm-hmm. podcasting um but yeah we're we're on episode seven just good. hit last monday episode eight will be out uh tomorrow uh, or no monday um and it, we're having a damn good time man we're playing sassy, adorable uh, animals. We have a skunk samurai. We have a, a a stag barbarian. I'm playing a crow bard. We have a a, a pirate fox who's our captain. Um, v Muse is in the game. Uh, she's outstanding. Um, she's and so, yeah, awesome. it's,
0: I love her to death. <laughs> she's
1: our pirate, and we have witty banter back and forth the yes. entire time, and it's hysterical. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a blast to play. It's a blast to listen to, from what I understand. Um, and uh, <laughs> go go check it out. Our Ed Editing is uh, nomadic is actually our editor, uh, and he is he is over the top with his editing skills. Uh, so definitely go check it out, give it a listen, hit us up on Twitter, let us know your thoughts, um, and yeah, do all that fun stuff.
0: What so, what I mean, you just said the humblewood setting, your animals and things like that, but uh, yeah. is is that defining it? Is there what I guess I don't know? Is so, there? Tell me about humblewood so, really quick for somebody who doesn't. Know yeah. About it.
1: So Humblewood is a setting in which you are all uh, massive anthropomorphized animals. Um, so like I'm a six foot crow. Right. Um, and the default setting is centered around the Alderheart, heart, which is a massive tree um, where like you have the bird folk and you have the humble folk and humble folk are like your, you know, um, your, your foxes, your stags, your, mm. you know, your, your animal critters, whereas the bird folk are it's pretty self-explanatory bird folk. Uh, we decided, that was too inland and we wanted to do pirates so we hit the coast and went about 100 miles south and we have started to build our own homebrew setting in okay cool Humboldt. Yeah, so we have, like, cities, we have our own lore, we're about to hit the coast, we're about to hit the ocean, we just, we just, uh, spoilers, we just got a boat. Um, <laughs> so we're officially pirates now. Um, after after eight episodes, we officially are <laughs> pirates. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we have, we, we call it the Serpent Domain, and now we're adding, like, lizards and serpents into the mix of, like, you know reptilian folk as opposed mm-hmm. to just the humble folk and the bird folk so we're, we're building out races we're working on some fun class stuff we're we're building up the lore of this area that we're in um and yeah that's it's it's your it's your typical fantasy adventure just with some added adorable animals um and some piratey hijinks and uh yeah we're, we're having a real
0: blast i know, you know at least 12 people that would die for that yeah. system in that game it's, or it's yeah. so fun it's so fun <laughs> That's it's really it's cool.
1: definitely it's definitely like a uh, a refreshing take on on D&D right cuz a lot yeah. of the D&D we're seeing is like generic fantasy uh-huh. uh generic fantasy over here uh, whereas this is uh, fantasy with animals so it's yeah. like a refreshing yeah. little it's like twist pugmire or something exactly it's like it's like a pugmire or a or a uh, what's what's the other one the cat one the something of Mao. um uh-huh. But yeah, it's definitely a fun, adorable hijinks game. Um, I say adorable. It is probably not kid-friendly okay. because uh, we're sailors. Uh, and, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's represented therein. Um, so yeah, there's definitely some adult language uh, and content. But Check it's that definitely... explicit
0: tag before you download it, yeah, ladies and gentlemen. For <laughs> sure.
1: Uh, but it's definitely a fun time, so so check it out, download it, let us know what you think. Yep,
0: and I will, of course, put and links cool. uh, below in the YouTube and the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, you you obviously listen to podcasts if you're listening to this show, so uh, go check out another one. Uh, v is a great DM. She's just a super wonderful person in general, so uh, if she's the DM that I think you guys are going to have, it's going to be awesome. And I should start yeah. listening to this as well. Yeah, she's um, great. That's awesome. That is our show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for sticking with us and uh, watching the show, hanging out, telling your friends about the Saturday Morning D&D show, which we record live every Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific on YouTube and Twitch. You can find us there. there's a podcast for the show if you literally just search Cider Morning D&D show you'll find stuff um, and we're, we're everywhere uh, if you want to send us questions you can always leave comments or uh, email me etc uh, and we'll be back next week um, with another show Lucian anything we should say before we go
2: I say thank you, Mike, for joining our show today. It was awesome. I humbly apologize for you because uh, Jordan is such a stickler for time. I would have sat here and talked to you for another hour. But apparently Jordan doesn't like you enough to go over his time thing
1: so I he's mean, so old, he's
0: got recording to do. He said it. To be go. fair,
1: I'm going right from here to record. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> so it's awesome. Again, yes, thank you, Mike. Uh, go follow him on Twitter, guys. He's really awesome. Yeah. He's super fun. And uh, Mike's a good friend. So we're glad to have him on the show today. Uh, we will see you all next week with another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.